Oh, Lord, we know that you satisfy the thirsty and fill the hungry with good things. Pour out your spirit, we pray. Open our hearts and minds to hear the message from your word for us today. In Christ's name, amen. For this uh, fourth and final part of our series on Colossians, we turn to the third chapter of the seventh letter in the New Testament. You remember that New Testament starts with the four Gospels and the book of Acts and then the, the epistles or letters ending with the book of Revelation. And the first six letters are Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and then Colossians. And as I say before, if you get the, if you get the Thessalonians, you've gone too far, you missed the exit. Go back a little bit. Well, before we start, I do need to clarify the second word we'll read. It's a little word, if. This is not that conditional if that we use, you know, in conditional clauses, things like, Betty, if you make us some afternoon coffee, I'll drink it. <laughs> or if you fix us some strawberry shortcake, I'll enjoy it. <laughs> now, this is that not that kind of if. This is an if that would be translated perhaps better as since or because. So it's not going to be if you've been raised with Christ, but really because you've been raised, since you've been raised with Christ. So listen now for God's word for us in this third chapter of Colossians, the first 12 verses. So. If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind, minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, Fornication, impurity, passion, and desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life, but now you must get rid of all such things. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self and its practices and have clothed yourself with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all and God's chosen ones holy and beloved clothe yourselves with compassion kindness humility meekness and patience this is the word of the Lord thanks, thanks be to God O Lord may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight our rock and our redeemer amen are you familiar with clickbait? You know, clickbait is the way that newspapers, magazines, websites, and all kinds of media get you to pay attention to their message. They want you to click on or 
turn the TV on or buy the book or whatever. They want so that they bait it with something enticing. Well, in the, in the Washington Post today, there's an article about, it says, everything you know about gravity is wrong. So I, I, I figured I had to drop everything, right? <laughs> <laughs> or you've seen those in the store, you know, the headlines, five, five ways to make hamburger takes like filet mignon. <laughs> make fish sticks taste like lobster, right? Whatever, there's something, some, some sort of promise there. Well, I'm kind of hoping that today's sermon title, Five Do's, Five Don'ts, and New Clothes, is effective clickbait to get your attention a little bit on these verses we read from Colossians. Well, actually, Paul has two five-point lists here of things we need to get rid of. That The first is in the fifth verse, put to death, therefore, what is earthly, Fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Does it surprise you that greed is called idolatry? Well, if you think about it, all of those are at their root. All five of those things are a matter of turning your, your love, turning your attention away from God and towards something or someone else. The second, the second list deals with habits and practices that distort our relationship with others. Paul says that in our former unchristian life, these are the ways you once followed when you were living that life, but now get rid of those things. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive language. And then as a, a bonus, he added another one, an easy one. Don't lie to one another. Do not lie. Now, if you have an aching tooth, you can find a dentist who will pull it out uh, for a small fee or a boat payment, you know. If you have a problem with ants, spiders, and other pests, you can call an exterminator. But if you have anger, wrath, and malice in your heart or slander and abusive language or coming out of your mouth, who are you going to call? And please don't say Ghostbusters. <laughs> who are you going to call? What are you going to do? Anger, wrath, and malice. Well, I thought it might be kind of helpful to define some of those terms and see what they meant in the Bible. And so I opened my trusty HarperCollins Bible Dictionary. I should have brought this morning. I weighs about a ton. And I looked up the word anger, and you know what it said? See, wrath made me so mad. <laughs> And, well, the entry on wrath didn't talk about human wrath. It talked about divine wrath. It said God's wrath is an active response to human sin, particularly idolatry, explaining that God is holy and righteous and rejects everything that is not holy and righteous. So what does the Bible say about anger? Well, the 37th Psalm says, Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. The 29th uh, chapter of Proverbs reads, One given to anger stirs up strife, and the hothead causes much transgression. Okay, well, we know we have anger issues, and that our anger causes problems for ourselves and others. What we need is the cure, right? Well, Proverbs 29 also says, 
A fool gives vent to anger, but the wise quietly holds it back. Well, and Proverbs 15 says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Well, maybe you're wondering, what's the difference between anger and wrath? Well, if you look it up, it tells you, Webster's will tell you, anger, anger is a strong feeling of displeasure, usually of antagonism, but wrath is a strong vengeful anger and indignation, retributory punishment for an offense or crime, or divine chastisement. So wrath, wrath has that connotation of power and control, whereas anger doesn't. You might say the employee the employee has anger, but the boss has wrath. <laughs> the boss the one that can fire you, right? Well, maybe you feel kind of like the seminary professor I heard who said recently that anger is an emotion he just, he just can't help. He did say that when he's angry, he prays, and that seems to help. Well, there's a, let me tell you about, there's a lady named uh, Corey Ten Boom. She was a Dutch watchmaker, and later on a writer. What she's famous for is that she and her family saved many Jews from the Holocaust by hiding them in their home, hiding them from the Nazis. Well, eventually she was arrested and sent to a concentration camp herself, but survived. She said, forgiveness is an act of the will. The will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. That no matter how mad you are, you can learn to forgive. Well, there's a fellow named Brad Hansen. He's a radio host, and I don't know much else about it, but he believed that too, and he wrote a little book suggesting a radical approach to our angry, irritable, condemning, judgmental ways. He says we need to be unoffendable. His approach to anger, well, it kind of reminds me of a, of a psychologist named David, Brooke, David Burns. Someone Betty and I met years ago. He wrote a book called Feeling Good. In fact, I tried to get into it when he signed my book to say, feel better, but he wrote feel good. <laughs> In that book, he explains his approach to anger and to other troublesome kind of emotions. Basically, he says we can choose to learn how to influence our emotions. That what happens is that first we have a thought, and then in response to that thought, we have a feeling. So you can't do much about the feeling, but sometimes you can do something about the thought and therefore control the feeling, and therefore change our reactions. Um, well, I thought about all this uh, the, the other week when we saw the video, perhaps you saw it, of a, of a, from a Raleigh restaurant. Not a restaurant I've been to, I was too offended by their prices. <laughs> but one of the customers had complained to the staff that customers at another table were just being too loud. Well, one thing led to another, and there's ugly confrontation, which the complainer called the other customers' names and much anger was on display. And if you watch the news and saw that, or you read Time Magazine, or the Washington Post, or the New York Times, it made the national news. It went all over. It went viral. 
the woman who called the other folks nasty names, eventually she apologized. Well, sort of. She apologized to her friends and family. She apologized to the restaurant. She did not apologize to those people just being too loud for the nasty names she called them. In fact, she kind of said, they made me do it. What she said is, they forced me to do it. That her angry yelling at them, they had made her do it. Well, that's the crux of the matter, isn't it? The key to our anger problem. We say, he made me mad. When the truth is, we let ourselves get angry. We're responsible for our own tempers. Lots of me, well, you think about it, lots of people get mad about, say, uh, politics, right? Many of us get angry when someone disagrees with our politics. But think about it. Where is it written that you and I have to support the same candidate, the same policy? It's not in the Bible, I can tell you that. And for that matter, it's not the Constitution either. What's in the Constitution says you can make up your own mind. Everybody's got a right to their own opinion. We don't just get mad at other people, though. Sometimes the target of our anger is ourselves. You ever find yourself calling yourself names, say, when you make that, on that rare occasion when you make a mistake? <laughs> a lot of times the thought we have is something like, I should never make a mistake. I'm a stupid idiot if I do. Shouldn't have said that, no. <laughs> Burns suggested that sometimes we need to do a little reframing a little rewording that can help us be more forgiving with ourselves and for that matter with other people. Instead of saying, you shouldn't have done that, blah, blah, blah. Let's say it's just a mistake. It's just a mistake. Well, you don't need a PhD to remember. We all make mistakes. And you don't have to be a Bible scholar. Remember, it was Jesus Christ who said, let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to cast a stone. So we're to cast off our old clothes, the bad habits, the bad attitudes, and cast those off ourselves before we become followers of, disciples of Jesus. And we're to put on new clothes, he says in Colossians, a new self. The new self is actually, it's actually the self that God intended for human beings when we were created. Paul tells us that the new self is being renewed in knowledge and that in renewal there is no longer Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free. Uh, my little book didn't tell me about anger. It did tell me about the Scythians. They were, they were a group of people who were despised. And I don't know who the Scythians would be now. Um, maybe ISIS or some 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 feared and despised and a group of low values. They were actually related to uh, one of Noah's grandsons. But anyway, they're not all those divisions now. But Christ is all and in all. So as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, we are to clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Now, I'm sure if you checked, not in yours and not in mine, the labels in our clothes, that's not what they say. 
I think it says Hudson Belk or something. Not, it doesn't say compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience in my coat or in my shirt. But what about the labels other people use to describe us? At home, at school, at work, on the road? Would people who see how we act, who kind of know how we think, the ones who know us as we really are, would they say that not just when others are watching, but every ordinary day we act with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience? Well, frankly, there's only one way I know that we can put, put on that kind of new self, the self characterized by those five virtues. We can only do that with a powerful help by the abundant and all-sufficient grace of Almighty God. And guess what? It's available to us right now. Thanks be to God. Our blessing and benediction and charge comes from that third chapter of Colossians. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven us, so we must also forgive. And above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your heart and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving him thanks to God the Father through him. Amen.